make sure I hit this thing and make sure all this noise goes away. All right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back. Thirsty Thursday, number 43. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a crazy busy summer for, for us at Strike the Box, just with family stuff and work and all that kind of crazy stuff. Um, so we haven't been on as much, but we are back. We are actually live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. So we're going to see how that goes. It was something that we... Um, we had to update some information with our streaming website, so and we added a Twitter feed. So we'll see what happens. Tonight we have Chief Andy Starnes uh, with us tonight, so he's going to do a little intro, but as, no, as we normally do, we'll kick it around the circle. Ben Waples, uh, firefighter paramedic for the Town of Ocean City Fire Department. Uh, just finished my first year uh, there as a career, as a full-time career member. 12 years there, uh, previously part-time, and then... Uh, yeah, so that's that's what's going on exciting here. Uh, sorry, everybody, you missed the missed Harper. She stopped in, said hi, did a cheers with everybody, and then had to get off. So, uh, but that's it for me, Trevor. What do you got? Hey, brother Ben, good to see you again, Andy, and thanks again for coming on. Um, and congratulations there, Proby. I guess I can't call you Proby anymore, but um, it's hard to believe I'm, it's. What's I'm that? still waiting for my official letter from HR, so I'm still a Proby as of now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, as, as you well know, since we spent a lot of time in the same city together, that uh, is going to probably come at the speed of smell. But nevertheless, congratulations. Um, and I'm, I'm proud of you. Uh, you know, again, it's been a little while. We've had a hectic and crazy summer. Looking forward to getting back in the swing of things. I know in uh, October we're heading out to uh, Wichita for Wichita Hot. Looking forward to that. Um, but I was really excited uh, when Andy said he would come come on the webcast because it, it, in my humble opinion, I think a lot of people really don't understand the capabilities and limitations of thermal imaging. And, you know, Andy's had you know, insight fire training for quite a while and posts a lot of good stuff on a lot of social media uh, channels and also teaches around the country. And um, you know, when I've shown my people some things with thermal imaging, you know, at, not just specific to uh, structural firefighting, but to hazmat, search and rescue, water rescue, all the different things that we do, um, they, they really get a better understanding of, of the tool that's in their hand. Um, and at the same time, and I know this is something that Andy's preached for you know, quite a while, is you know, recognizing that you know, any tool we have has the limitations not only of the user, but also the technology itself. And technology can be just as much of an uh, asset as it can be a hindrance to us if we don't really know fully what's going on. So with that, um, Andy, I'd, I'd love to pitch it over to you. Uh, give us a little intro, and uh, let, let's get into talking some thermal imaging. Well, thanks, thanks for having me. First, I mean, I'm I'm just a redneck guy from Union County, North Carolina. I grew up in Monroe originally, chasing my dad around, who, who was in the volunteer fire service, and I just had a lot of blessings and a lot of opportunities. And my goal in life is to turn around and give those same opportunities to other people. Uh, you know, we're not supposed to keep this stuff to ourselves, right? Like what you're talking about sharing. So uh, blessed to learn from him and uh, got into the fire service because of it and became a career firefighter uh, at age 22, you know, starting juniors when I was 15. So that means this is my 32nd year uh, playing firefighter, which is kind of scary because that means I'm old. Um, I have a wonderful saint of a wife and a soon to be 13 year old daughter's you and I were talking about earlier, Trevor, you got similar age kids and uh, it's, it's really crazy how fast they grow up. And I have really two passions. I'm passionate about fire behavior and firefighter behavior. I'm big into behavioral health. I think one influences the other. Um, 
you know, that's something I've been into longer than thermal imaging. I got into thermal imaging because my dad in 2010, he found an organization called Project Kill the Flashover, which was designed to help combination and volunteer departments understand fire behavior concepts beyond the IFSTA manual and the other manuals that shall not be named. Um, that, you know, basically some of the stuff we were getting wasn't up to date. And, you know, with NIST and UL, they put out some great stuff. And I got through that and literally fell into where I am. I was helping burn a house in 2015 and I was the guy who was supposed to make the house safe. And I stepped over a spot where there was a kitchen sink formerly and my foot went through the floor and my kneecap went 180 degrees and I ruptured my patella tendon. I went from running my third marathon to my wife carrying me to the bathroom for eight weeks. I was out of work six months. I was going to be disabled if I couldn't come back to work. They told me I was going to get 18% disability for my injuries. Matter of fact, Dennis Laguerre and I share the same injury. His was way more intense than mine. And because of that, I founded Insight Training because she said, you shall not leave this house without insurance. Because I was doing all this for free, just hanging out with my dad. And had no intention of doing what I am doing today. And from 2015 to now, I cannot even recoup all of the wonderful blessings and opportunities we've had. We've been, we've trained in all 50 states. Uh, we've helped firefighters in 20 different countries. We've been to six countries. We wrote the first thermography-based fire curriculum in, exist in existence. I'll get into that fancy word here in a little bit. And I have learned this much, gentlemen, this much. As my dad says, we don't know what we don't know. Every time I take another certification or another class, I feel like a caveman holding a flashlight. I mean, I'm like, really? They can do that? <laughs> and when you start getting into what the military and the industry and uh, industrial professions and the medical professionals, what they do with thermal imaging camera, in, in thermography in general will blow your mind. I mean, special forces can look at somebody 1800 yards and say, that guy's wearing Ray-Bans. And we're like, yeah, we don't take it off the truck except for search and overhaul. I'm like, okay. And we they use it to detect cancer. Uh, they use it for security reasons, industrial, border patrol, everything you can think of, uh, sports medicine. And what I learned from industrial professionals is that they actually require an education to use this device. And this is the typical training. Tell me if I'm wrong that we get for the fire service. Here it is. Here's how you turn it on. Read that little number on the right hand side and it can't see through glass. Have a nice day. Good luck to you. Now, to be a thermography professional, you need 32 hours of training minimal before you're allowed to hold it. You have to take an exam. You have to pay two grand out of your own pocket, four days away from your family, 32 CEUs every five years. And that's level one. That's like firefighter one, like you said, probie starting off and we get 20 minutes, maybe an hour with a device that could get us killed. Like you said, Trevor, it's a, a hindrance if we don't know what we're doing. And that's the level of training we get. And we've got one training standard standard in existence for the fire service called NFPA 1408 that says a lot of great things you shall do, but it says you shall do them once time of year. I call it the Santa Claus training standard, you know, how good are you at if you do something once a year? I, I stink if I do one thing one time a year. So it, long story short, it's been an amazing journey. I, I'm still learning every single day, just like I told you in the beginning. I love listening to other firefighters, their experiences, their problems, their perspective. Tell me what you had a problem with. Tell me how it helped you, how it hindered you. Because our goal at Insight Training is to clarify, clarify the complex and make it experientially relevant so the foot soldiers of the fire service can be something that we haven't been before, in my opinion, which is intelligently aggressive. Not just go into the fire. Everybody wants to do that. 
But how about we go in with a specific purpose, like a surgical strike, like the military, and we get to the target faster, whether it's putting out the fire, finding the victim, finding our fellow firefighters, whatever the objective is, how about we do it faster, better, and expose people let to less insult, thermal insult than ever before by simply doing something that you do with your children every day when you cross a busy street. You look both ways because you don't want to get hit by a Mack truck. But yet when you shove a firefighter into said burning building, you say, get in there. And he's like, get in where, Cap? In there. The fire's in there. Well, my 12-year-old knows that building's on fire. Can you tell me the life hazard, the fire hazard, the fire location, the layout, where potential victims are? Which way do I go? Well, just figure it out. Wait till years start hurting and do this, do that. Really? Is that what we consider professional level of service today? With the level of training, education, and research, everything we have, we're still doing this and peeling our glove back and penciling the ceiling to figure out where the enemy is? Ask a sniper if he's going to take the shot without a scope. No. They use everything they got to, to get the bad guy. And 50% of the time in the United States, the one thing we have that can help the good guy is left on the charge of the truck. Sorry, that was my little synopsis. So, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if that's any insight as to what we're going to have tonight, it's going to be a great show. Oh, it, it's it's going to be, uh, well, I can't I can't use the phrase that Ben taught me, but yes, it's going to be a great show. Um, I'm sure you can. It's going to be tits on glass. Okay, well, FCC people were very sorry. Anyway, yes, you're correct. Um, yeah. Andy, Andy, let me ask you this, and I'm going to take you down a little, um, a little trip down memory lane. Thermal imaging reminds me greatly of when we first got positive pressure ventilation in the fire service. Um, we mm. had a vendor come in, maybe even a state fire instructor, who taught us all about PPV in 15 minutes. They gave us the VHS tape, and mm. we watched it, and in 15 minutes, we were the – uh, gurus of, of PPV. We knew everything there was to do. And then we took the VHS tape and made sure we leveled out the couch in the uh, day room with it. Um, <laughs> with that being said, whatever deficits, if I was a company level officer, then I would teach them what I was taught and I would pass along every deficit that was passed along to me. And I was none the wiser. So with that being said, from a thermal imaging standpoint, I, I want to, if you don't mind, take us back a little bit to the knuckle dragon days of, of thermal imaging uh, when you know, we would abandon our, because it was such a cool technology, we would abandon our basic search techniques and orientation because we had this cool new technology. And then we finally figured out the batteries go dead and sometimes firefighters don't check their equipment and we're out in the middle of the ocean without a compass. Um, and we mm -hmm. evolved from there. We started doing dead battery drills, this, that, and the other, and you know, orientation. But um, can can you take us on like a little a, a little timeline of where we've been to where we are now? But also talk about some of the misconceptions and assumptions we still have about uh, the use of thermal imaging in the fire service. Well, let's start three thousand BC. The Egyptians used to put sick people in a mud bath a special kind of mud and watch where the mud dried first. What do you think they were looking for? It was the warmth. Disease. Yeah. What did disease produce in a human body that was different than any other spot of the body? Heat. Yeah, and warmer. Heat. Infection. And that's where they would operate because they didn't want to blindly cut on this person like we blindly flow water in a building and scream and shout and spray water all day, right? And then Sir William Herschel in the 1800s discovered there was an area of light outside of visible light that was hotter than visible light. You know what he first called infrared? 
All right. I got G was question for you. You've both been around a little bit. How many old head firefighters who told you, even though there was people telling you not to open the nozzle, they said, Hey, if it gets hot, there's this stuff over your head called black fire. It's a bad day. You know what Sir William Herschel called infrared dark heat. So from 1800s, 3000 BC to 1800s, there was a lot of data saying this stuff exists. Two thirds of the energy transmitted to the, to the surface of the earth is in the infrared spectrum. Two thirds of the energy in a fire is transmitted in the infrared spectrum, which we cannot see. Only a snake or whatever animal lizard can see that we can't. Then we get into the forties and fifties and we're fighting fire with what? With sight and feeling. But what was different in the forties and fifties that's different than today. My dad had hip boots, cotton jacket coat, which I still have in the basement, by the way, and a plastic helmet. And they wanted that lower area where they were crawling to stay clear. Why? What did they not have on their back? Air pack, right? So they had a bi-directional flow, which wasn't a bad thing back then. Because how long did it take before a room flashed over in the 50s and 60s? 30 minutes. Because what was burning in that house compared to our homes today? Trevor, I can see in the background, you got some cool stained glass stuff. My wife would have a fit over that. She loves that. But I'll bet you in your house and yours too, Ben, we look around, we'll find some wonderful solidified petroleum-based products known as polyurethane foam, cushions, sawdust made furniture, glue and gasoline, right? That's predominant in all homes today. And now we've got even worse stuff because we got lithium ion batteries and all that. So in the 50s and 60s, they didn't have that. So they had 30 minutes to flash over. So they wanted that thermal balance to stay there. They would crawl down the hallway. And when they got to a window, what was the original purpose of the eagle and the helmet? You know, take it off and break the window out. Mm -hmm. Take a deep breath. Look for the next window. There's your smoke diver, right? Mm -hmm. That was the whole purpose. And the reason they didn't open the nozzle and upset the thermal balance wasn't because they were worried about steam. They were trying to see and find the fire, right? Now, when you open the door, let's fast forward to 2022. What do you see? Nothing. If you're lucky, you might see a little bit. But somewhere around the 60s, thermal imaging showed up. And what you saw in the 90s is thermal imaging showed up in fire service people's hands. So when it showed up in our hands, do you know what the difference is from the 1990s to today is? They're the godfathers of thermal imaging training, Faith IR, Father Thanos, the best guy out there who started all this. They required training from the manufacturer. The manufacturer paid for the training when you bought, said, $30,000 camera back then. Remember what those cameras looked like? NASA space helmet on a stick. Remember the Carnes Iris, the Scott Eagle 320, you know, the drug. On the ground, you look down to look up. It had a drag plate on it. You know, it, the, the remember the Bullard MX or T1? Or, uh, Bolt, Thor would have to hold it with two hands and say it's heavy. And then a human being would look like, you're old enough to remember this, the Atari game Pong, two dots. Right? <laughs> that's what a person looked like. So that's what we had, right? And then we get a little bit better, a little bit better, and exactly what you said happens, Trevor. All of a sudden, we start becoming over-reliant on technology. Now, Let's let's think about that for a second. How many of you are over reliant on this device? I would challenge any of you that if you get in your car to go to work or go somewhere, if you forget your cell phone, I'll bet you'll turn around. But if you forget your Bible, your wallet, even your kid, you're not turning around. <laughs> but you're not going to leave without this. That's how addicted and reliant we are on these. And they're charging even more for them because they know we're going to pay for them. 
So firefighters are no different. When we got this device, we became over-reliant on it. And then, as you said, we found out really quickly the batteries will fail. We don't know what we don't know. No one ever taught me when I got this device that, hey, you shouldn't stand up. Hey, every time you wipe your face piece, you need to wipe the lens of this thing because it will fog up and the screen will go white. I always hear firefighters saying, the camera, white it out, white it out. Well, old cameras just white out through the heat. New cameras, when they white out, it's because of two or three reasons. Moisture, radio frequency interference, or you did something really stupid and went from cold to extreme hot, and the camera said, and took a second and startle effect, and it adjusted. But nobody ever told me any of that. Did anybody tell you guys that? Because the training was absent. I mean, I've been in my department since 98. We did training in 2004. And we had the MSA 5000s, right? And then we got new cameras in 2018. We got the Clear K65s, and that's the last time we did training. So we've done training twice in 24 years. How good are we going to be at something, like you said, about positive pressure fans? Can we be an expert at anything? The fire service is a 1,000 miles wide and two inches dip deep in every service delivery. Now, God bless them. There's some people out there that are extrication gurus, high angle experts, all of those. you got those people in your organization. You need to use them and cherish them and actually treat them nice. Most organizations don't, but you need to because they're experts in their field and use them and let them share their knowledge. But you can't be good at everything. you got engine company guys who love engine company work. you got truck company guys who love truck company work. But guess what? One device needs to be almost everything, like you said, Trevor, from water rescue, lost person search, motor vehicle accidents to size up to fire attack to search to writ the camera can be used it's not saying it's like my daughter and her tablet you know i can't put it down i must watch it no my, a friend of mine who was a great mentor of mine who was a captain who retired he said andy i can't use the thing it's like crap once i pick it up i can't put it down and he's like it's like a video game and that's what happens i think we start getting addicted to it and forget our orientation so the thing that we have to remember is, as this brief history of time of thermal imaging to, from then to now is I don't think we're any better than the ancient Egyptians. We're still waiting until we fill a hot spot. There's firefighters still taking their glove off, sticking their hand up in smoke, waiting until they feel their ears burn, waiting until they feel pain, waiting until they feel air in, their, air in their bottle gets hot, penciling the ceiling, see if water comes back down. And none of that is empirically adequate, scientifically proven or safe in any way to tell you how hot it is. Because let's let's go through these methodologies really quick. If I'm going to use my body to test temperature, if both of you have children, right? Would you let Harper walk to that stove and she's going to her and go, hot, hot? Just say, go ahead and Harper, go ahead and touch it so you can know how hot it is. No, no sane parent would do that. But yet we spend 26 weeks teaching our recruits, hey, put your PPE on, got everything buttoned up, got your hood tucked in. Okay, now when you go to the fire, take that hood off. You don't need that. And if you get in a fire and you're not sure, I want you to take your glove off and stick your hand up into a thousand degree flow path and tell me if it's too hot. Do you know what we would do to someone who took off their city issued safety equipment and stuck their hand up into a thousand degree, six mile an hour convective flow path and received a critical burn? Risk management would say, oh, that's awesome. We don't have to pay. Congratulations. This is on you. Because you took off something that's designed to protect you because some veteran firefighters, you said, Trevor, passed it on and passed it on. Anecdotal normalization of deviance. This is what we were taught, even though no one fact checked it. God bless the millennials. You tell them something, they're going to Google it and look it up. 
at least they do that. We didn't. We were like, yes, sir. He said, go through Satan's living room. That's where I'm going, right? With the garden hose, right? But that's that's how we were taught. I was taught, don't open the nozzle till you feel pain. Now, I got a question for both of you and anyone else who's listening. I didn't read the instructions on my turnout year until 2010. And my wife, God bless her, is right. The world would be a better place if we just took the time to read the instructions. How many of you, when you open a box, you're like, oh, I put this together. And then you go back and go, ooh, uh, man, I've got to, I may have messed this up and this was 150 bucks. This is not good, right? We don't read the instructions. We're so in a hurry. So in recruit school, they teach them how to don and doff their gear, how to wash it, how to take care of it. But did anyone teach you Thermal protective performance, total heat loss, how your gear will fade under sunlight and what it does as it moves down a hallway. If you're not opening the nozzle, how it absorbs heat. At what point will you receive a second degree burn and why? Never heard that before in my life till I read the instructions and said, this is wrong. And I went home and apologized to my wife. You know why? Because my fire department lost a firefighter in 2002. And when he fell into a basement and was burned up. They loaded him on a helicopter, and his last words were, I know I'm hurt, but I don't look that bad. He died. 87% of his body burned second and third degree burns. He was 20 years old. And I'm thinking, that's wrong. His gear did not protect him like we thought it would. It absorbed all that energy, and where did it go? To him. And you know how many countless other firefighters have been burned? Either to the point where they just had a minor burn to a critical burn to a life ending injury, more than we can count. And you can say firefighters aren't dying that many every year. And it's a small number. I agree. But how many of you would hire a contractor that's messed up seven houses in your neighborhood and let you be the eighth customer? We do it all every day. We show up and do the exact same thing at every fire and expect a different result. That's the definition of insanity. That's why I said, I'm very passionate about being intelligent and really aggressive. I want skilled, in shape, dedicated, type A plus firefighters. Don't get me wrong. But I want them to have read the manual. I want them to question why. Aaron Field says a good firefighter knows why. Why before you can apply. Right? We need to know why. Why does it do this? And, and if you need to think about this as we move forward tonight, if you are hurting in PPE that protects you to the point that you don't feel pain until it's too late, what is that poor child in polyester Spider-Man pajamas feeling? They're dead in pajamas when you're hurting in PPE. A standard Under Armour shirt that we probably all wear when we work out will shrink wrap to your skin between 140 and 160 degrees. And you think, well, it's not going to get that hot. You're wrong. I got years of video showing you how hot it is. And UL and NIST and everybody else will show you the same thing. That recent search study will show you the difference between if you carry the patient down low versus you carry them up high, that'll kill them. Right. The heat is there. Multiple calls podcast said it best. It's not about how much heat you can take. It's about how much heat you can kill. We are great at putting out the fire, ladies and gentlemen. We suck at getting rid of the heat and making it more tenable. We need to remember if the mission is for them, what are you doing for them from the front door to the fire room and getting them out to make conditions better for them while you're in there? And that's the thing that I think I challenge people all the time is, you are the most protected person in that scene and you act like they have the same level of protection as you do. They don't have globe, fire decks, lion, whatever gear you're wearing this week or an MSA or Scott air pack on their back. They don't. 
They're wearing flammable pajamas, breathing 3,000 parts per million of hydrogen cyanide and 1,200 parts per million of carbon monoxide. And we're crawling down a hallway with a nozzle closed because we don't want to steam the victim. It wasn't that hot. I don't want to upset the thermal balance or I don't want to cause unnecessary property damage. Do you know what a lawyer will do to us in court when we give those anecdotal passed on answers that we have used as fact when it's really like Wiley Coyote who ran off the cliff and said, wait a minute, gravity applies to me. I shall now fall. That's fire service physics, ladies and gentlemen. And that's the problem from the dawn of history, dawn of time till now in the fire service. We are the only organization that believes physics doesn't apply to us. And I think the only way it's going to be corrected is in, by litigation, litigation and tragedy. And I challenge you to go look this stuff up. Don't believe me. I'll send you links on it. Look up a lady's name by the name of Alice Stoll. She's the reason you have turnout gear. She's the reason why you have the word second degree burn. Find out about what, you, find out about the things that affect the victim long before they affect you. And you'll figure out why I'm so passionate about holding a device that can see heat, not temperature. And Andy, I got to say, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, your analogy of not reading the instructions on turnout gear or any of the other stuff that we have. Um, I was well into probably double digits of my fire service career before and, and teaching, you know, SCBA and SCBA boot camp before I ever actually sat down and read the package insert for a Scott air pack. And what I learned from the people who built that and, you know, and also, you know, becoming part of the um, you know NFPA technical committee for those things gave you completely different insight. And I, I go back, um, which a lot of us have heard or seen over our careers. Uh, it's emblematic of the experiment of the five monkeys. You know, they they did stuff, and even after even after they retired the old monkeys out and the new monkeys came in, they did the same stuff just because. Well, that's how we've always done it, and we don't know any better. So. Um, yeah, ex exactly. Because we think we, you know, we know better in the fire service how to use things. And I, I joke about this, you know, somewhat frequently where I can go to Lowe's or Home Depot and I can get a screwdriver. Mm -hmm. um, but if somebody paints it red and calls it the Firehawk 3000, I'm going to pay 200 more dollars for it. And, you know, it, it's, it's got to be an amazing piece of equipment because mm -hmm. it's red and that we call it a Firehawk 3000. But mm -hmm. nevertheless, I think that we assume we know more than what we do. Um, and that, that's just been our nature because we, we've had to be problem solvers. We've had to do more with less. We've had to take a tool and apply it in a, a unconventional or non-traditional way. So sometimes we extend that ability out a little further than what it needs to go. And, uh, I mean, I think this is a great conversation so far, but I, I do want to uh, welcome, I'm sorry, uh, chief, chief Michael Wood. Sorry. Uh, just, just recently, I'm going to call you out, brother. Love you. Um, just got promoted. Uh, very proud of you and very happy for you. And also you have my deepest condolences, Chief. So uh, with that, Mike, do you mind do you mind throwing a little introduction out there? And then we're going to get back to some thermal imaging. Andy, I'm Mike Wood. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I work up in Baltimore City. I've been up there for uh, about uh, 18 years and um, I'm on my way out of there and I'll be permanently uh, a permanent resident of Ocean City and hopefully a permanent fixture in the fire department for years to come. I just took a job as the chief of training, uh, actually Trevor's job. So I'm looking forward to that and, uh, and moving forward and, uh, taking a progressive approach to things, but Good. I'm getting this conversation late, but I'll tell you this, man, 
I, I walked into a firestorm of a, <laughs> uh, 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 being being thrown out there, and I love what I hear so far, man. It, I, I, I heard the passion, and I, man, I am tuned in, so I'm loving it. <laughs> I didn't mean I didn't mean to assault you with thermal imaging no. uh, nuggets. No, it's, sorry, it's great. Not, but, not at all, man. I, I love what I'm hearing. Well, Mike, well, I, I'm 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 proud. It, it only took five and a half years, but I am I am proud that you are the next person to uh, re replace me. Um, you're three times the person I ever was in that position. I wish you the best of luck. And again, congratulations and condolences. But um, you, and I'm going to pick on Bobby, our, our other uh, host on the show tonight, Bobby McGee. Great guy. Um, wealth of knowledge. Yeah, I can't say enough about him, but uh, he's actually running a, uh, a charity run tonight, um, you know, for uh, you know, children's health causes and Got a world of respect for him. Typically, you know, if it was Ben or somebody else, I'd say they're at like a uh, a Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you know, convention or something else. But I can't pick on Bobby, but you know, he can't join us tonight. But um, you might want to talk to him and see what uh, you know, what the best hand lotion is for a chief because your hands are going to get soft. You're going to lose your calluses, and uh, you know, I uh, you know I, I I do recommend like you know some good neosporin for those paper cuts you're going to get, Mike. So uh, you know, I'll, I'll 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 send you a little care package in the mail. But well, this man, I, I hope you have an assistant chief spot open because I might not be here too long. I'll be joining you probably. <laughs> hey man, it's, it's just it's just twelve months on, on probation. You can do it. I, they let I got through it. You got it. I've already got your uh, your white uniform and gold badges coming to you. Just remember, just remember, we're forever rookies. No matter what position, we're always. You get to one position, you just start over. You know. That's exactly right, man. Like, Never I've stop been, learning. I've been a battalion chief four years now, and I have no clue. I, I, I love my job, but what he said is true. The reason I love having a training company is because when you make battalion chief, they're like, oh, don't do that. Don't wash your car. Don't wash the dishes. We'll do that. We'll do that. I'm like, can I do something? I'll sneak out back to wash my car when no one's looking. They're like, they think I'm trying to get them in trouble. I was like, no, I just want to get away from the desk. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I enjoy moving. You know, if you sit in that chair, will kill you, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, that is the truth. You've got you to gotta stay mobile. I'm even moving my little office down to a cubby so I can uh, so I can sneak out of there and, and hit the road and actually accomplish some, some labor. Awesome. No, 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 no. You've got to be – the only thing that needs to separate you and the fire chief is a 5 eighths piece of drywall so anytime he's got a wild hair, he can walk one door down – and task you with something that has nothing to do with your job function. <laughs> hey, brother, earn your bones, brother. Earn your bones. I told him this earlier. I said, peel back the patch. Same people, same problem. We're, we're all the same. Just, it different, is, just different zip code. Yeah. Change, change the record, right? It doesn't matter where you go. Yeah. I, it I, is I, true, but I'll, I'll share this quick analogy with you because I shared this with um, uh, a relatively, you know, New, newer chief the other day and I, I'll, I'll make this quick but um one of my first captains uh pete pierce god rest his soul um you know i, I approached him at a, a point in time where i said hey I, i'd really like to you know consider you know what do i need to do to maybe step up to be a lieutenant or do this do that do the other and he said you know he gave me some sage advice which i appreciate to this day and he goes well, let me tell you a quick story he said there was a fireman riding the back step of a fire truck one day. And we, when I came in, we rode the back step, so it made sense to me. But <clears throat> he said, and after a couple of years, he you know, look look around the corner of the fire engine and he'd see the driver of the fire truck, the chauffeur, 
And this guy's driving the calls. He's, you know, he's up there. He's in, you know, the heat and the air conditioning in, in the, you know, in the uh, more trying months. And that backstep fireman goes, wow, you know, one day that's where I want to be. I, I want to be, I want to be a chauffeur. I want to be a driver. A couple of years later, guy's sitting there, wheeling the fire engine around. He's in that position for a couple of years. He keeps looking over at the lieutenant. Guy's, you know, wearing a, wearing a white shirt, making command decisions. He's running a crew. He is, wow, you know, that's, that's where I really want to be. Works hard, applies himself, does the classes, does the reps and sets. A couple of years later, guy's riding the right front seat of a fire engine. You know, a couple of years goes by, and that lieutenant now is going to respond to a call, and he looks in the side view mirror, and he sees the lights on the battalion chief's rig behind him. He goes, wow, that guy's got his own buggy. You know, he's in charge of an entire district, and he's you know, running the city, running the show, you know, really in command of everything. That's where I want to be. Wouldn't you know it, the guy applies himself, works hard, puts in the reps and sets. A couple of years later, he's a battalion chief. He's in the buggy. Has a great career, and, you know, probably not too long before he retires, the battalion chief now is re responding on a call and he's behind the engine and he sees that firefighter on the tailboard. He goes, man, that guy, that's really where I want to be. So, I mean, it does come full circle. I know it's a kind of a labor metaphor, but um, I thought it was great when I was told that and it still rings true today. And, and just like you said, Andy, um, any new venture we get into, we're the probie and we can't be afraid to fail in that position. Um, not, not in a negative way, but, we're vulnerable and we know what we know, know what we don't know. And uh, I have yet to see it either. I've never seen a crystal ball budgeted, nor have I ever seen um, the actual fairy come by and sprinkle pixie dust on a white helmet to give us all the answers. So, Mike, best, best of luck to you, brother. And uh, I, I still I still got a lot of my old stuff on the thumb drive. If you need it, I'll, I'll send it to you, bro. And package that thing and shoot it up here overnight. <laughs> you got it, my friend. The strong board of directors, my friend. People like your friend Trevor here, just people you can call when you've seen something. You're like, I've never seen this before. Hey, I have no idea what to do here. You know, <laughs> that's what I do. I had like five people and I call them. I'm like, I have no clue. And they're like, calm down. This has happened before. You're not the first person in history to run into something bad. <laughs> and it's not the Be fire. Down, phone friend. It's never the fire. It's always the people. Fires are easy. People? No. Not Difficult. Not. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. Sorry for the sidebar. <laughs> we we get easily distracted. So anyway, I'm sorry, Andy. We we, we broke you in the middle of a thought um, no. with that. But yeah, you, you were talking about the capabilities and limitations of thermal imaging, but where where are some of the places even today we still go wrong? Because I look at you know, right now an, an air pack and a firefighter are synonymous. That's it's all part of one unit, and we still have some people that that thermal imager might not be part of their normal you know, their normal go-to as part of their basic equipment. So where, where are we and where do we need to be in your opinion? Well, I mean, I think the fire services always fault change where well, they say the two things we hate change and way things are. I think it was Alan Brunicini, God rest his soul. You know, we, we don't like change and we fight it. And then all of a sudden we get used to it and then we don't want to change that. Right. Don't, don't mess. Like you said about the monkeys, don't mess with it. This is the way we've always done it. Um, I don't know about you, but when I get a set of turnout gear and I finally get it broke in, it's like right at that ninth year and they're going to take it away on year 10. And I'm like, no, I just got it where I want it. Don't take it away. And you're going to give me stiff gear. And I don't like that. Right. So we don't like change, number one. And then we don't like feeling uncomfortable. And I think it's some of it is some of the senior guys don't want to look at technology or even think about it because it's, you know, kind of a young person's game in that respect. But in the same breath, 
I mean, you got to think about from the time y'all came home to now, how much technology is on the fire truck in general compared to what you said that 1920 something Mac had no electronics on it, right? If the EMP hit this earth right now, that Mac would crank up and run. Everything else would die. You know, God bless that truck. But when you talk about we, we have cell phones, we have voice over IP dispatch, we have everything's on the internet, we have tablets on our trucks, we have the, the trucks themselves have computers that run the pumps, you have computers on your air pack, you have pass devices, you have radios that have computer systems. Everything is technology based and it's going to get more intense. You don't believe me. I believe uh, Chief Halton, Bobby Halton had published an article from, I can't remember the exact date. I don't want to quote it where they were going from horse drawn fire engines to actual steam drawn engine or to motorized engines. And there were people fighting it. They didn't want the motorized engines. Right. So that's, that's how we are. We, we fight change and, and improvements. But I think for us, for me, Trevor, the thing was, is showing me why this matters. And I think if you want to teach firefighters, don't don't go into theory. Don't go in the history of something as much as start with things that they can already relate to. I believe in parables. You know, my mentor, is Jesus Christ, he taught in parables. He taught stories. Who likes fire? Who likes stories better than anybody? Firefighters. Right. We tell big fish stories. So you start with things they can relate to. We start with what matters. The, they're citizens. Right. The oath you swore. And, and your families, your fellow firefighters, your families, those people you care about. And you say, this is why it matters. And the first thing I tell them when I teach a class is how the thermal imaging camera failed me. You hear me? I never brought out a live victim in 30 years until 2017. And the one time I needed that camera, what do you think it did? It failed. And guess who, guess who failed? It wasn't the camera. It was me. I left the camera laying on the doghouse between the dri between the driver and the captain. I was a captain on engine two, best seven years of my life, riding engine two. Like you said about that guy looking in the back. Not knowing that if you heat up an electronic device, it will drain the battery twice as fast. So we ran medical calls all day long, no fire calls until 11 o'clock at night. We run a food on the stove call. It turns into a second alarm apartment fire with three people that were brought out of that apartment. 600 square foot apartment three people in cardiac arrest engine company misses them i walked past the mother laying in the floor because my camera was dead and then i hear latitude and command we're coming out with a victim i see one of my co-workers and his rookie bringing out a very tall woman who i just walked by didn't crawl didn't get down like i was supposed to and then I realized with a knot in my stomach what I've done. And then I get to the end of the hallway and call my two firefighters. I know the layout of this building. Send one bedroom left, one right. I hear Matthew Rollins, the young firefighter on my engine, sweep the bottom bunk and say, I got a victim. No camera. He sweeps, does a fundamental search, comes out with Tremaine. As we're leaving, Kevin Warlick from Ladder 2 comes back and he tells him, I did not finish searching that room. Check the top bunk. Kevin sweeps the top bunk and brings out Michael, his cousin. Michael Tremaine and his mother were all in cardiac arrest. Tremaine is the only one that lived. Best day in my fire service career was six months later when they brought him to a fire station to let me meet this kid and make him an honorary firefighter. I still get choked up thinking about it. But that camera failed because I didn't understand it. Even I'm a tick person, right? Wasn't well trained on its limitations, as you said, Trevor. And I caused it to fail and then I blamed it. Just like when we push our turnout gear too far and get burned and we all this gear is crap. 
well, you did walk through Satan's living room and you expected not to get burned. Well, you know, my other gear didn't get me burned. Well, your other gear was made to protect a space astronaut. So thermal imaging can help you or hinder you, but it's only as good as the person's hands. It's in. So when we talk about limitations and contraindications, the first biggest limitation is me. I have to be educated in what I use. Ask any truckie, pull the Halligan off the truck. Give me a talk about the Halligan. I'll bet you have to shut them down. They'll keep talking for hours. Now take the same dedicated salty firefighter and say, all right, pull out whatever XYZ brand thermal imaging camera. Now give the rookie a class on the tick. Watch how short that class is. So we don't know what we don't know. And we need to fix that, like I said, and we need to make it the distance from the head to the heart is the longest journey, 14 inches. And I need firefighters to understand why that's important from the oath they swore because the victim cannot take the heat you take. And you, then you get into the typical people argue, well, a tick doesn't see temperature accurately. No, it doesn't. It's not a thermometer. Never has been, never will be. It's designed to see heat. Mongo see heat. Mongo put water on it. I know that down that hallway is more than 500 degrees, but my camera is saying it's approximately 500 degrees, which is an apparent temperature. And if you don't know what apparent temperatures is, this is a firefighter definition. It's swag. It's a scientific wild ass guess. It's way off, but it's telling you that that's wrong. And you need to fix it. I don't know about y'all, but my if you look down at your floor re, uh, register vents, they shouldn't be blowing 600-degree convective currents out of them. Even in the wintertime in y'all's area, it shouldn't be that hot. We need to fix that. But you and I cannot see that. So as a company officer, as you're telling your story, Trevor, when you made that lieutenant position or you made captain or what I like to call the designated adult, your responsibility just went whew, through the roof. Your chief of training, Michael, yours is exponential because you're responsible for everybody's training. So now I'm supposed to watch over those people in zero visibility with gear that prevents me from feeling. And the one device that can help me see the target and help them find their way, I left it on the charger because, you know, the batteries stink and, you know, that's for the new guys. And I'm going to use my ears and oh, I'm, I'm old school, which means I'm hard-headed and arrogant. Okay. If you don't want to learn, you need to leave. I don't know any firefighter two years on the job or 30 years on the job that's, that has stopped learning. If they've stopped learning, they need to go. The ones that, I mean, I watched Bill Gustin, who's been retired for however long, sitting in the front row of class taking notes. The guy's been retired longer than I've been on the job, and he's he's taking notes in, in classes today. He's still learning. Why are we not learning? Why are we so confident or competent that we think we don't need something just to simply help diagnose our path. I am not asking you to be a level two thermographer like me. I'm not asking you to know the temperatures of everything and when they fail and all that. It's great information to share to get people to understand why it's important. But you need to remember this. You swore an oath to do everything you could to save lives and property. And the current way of doing business is not working. And the research and everything else is showing that we should be doing better and doing more and being more intelligently aggressive. And the majority of the fire service is still reading textbooks. There is a textbook in publication today that tells firefighters not to open the nozzle till they see fire. It was on my battalion chief's test in 2017. It's still in publication. Who's peer reviewing the documents that's influencing brand new firefighters and teaching them fire behavior from the 1950s? I got a North Carolina fireman's manual that was my dad's. It says, Water will not extinguish smoke. Do not open the nozzle till you see fire. 
Many homes have been needlessly washed away by too much water. That was in two textbooks as of a couple years ago. And the science and line of duty deaths, arson investigation books, everything's pointing to early water application, cool the environment, make it better for them, save their property. And we're not doing it because of why? Because of that very statement you said earlier, Trevor. Well, I was told this, and then I told that to this guy, and then I told that to this guy. Well, how did that message change after it went through five of you, right? Telephone, tell a friend, tell a fireman. You like the rumor mill, right? So we've got to do better. And it's not just about how many doors you can force, how many ladders you can throw, or how well you can stretch the line. That's fundamentals, and that should be your foundation. But you should be working to make that process better. It's a force multiplier. In other words, if my skill set is zero, 10 times zero is zero. So my skill set is it gets better, then the thermal imaging camera will help me go, go to that target faster. But if I stay fundamentally sound and don't use that at my, my primary sole source orientation, like you were talking about earlier, Trevor, and I realize it will fail me when I need it most, but I am going to use it to diagnose my problem, communicate it, and move, then how much better are you going to be for Mrs. Smith, as Brunancini says? What if it's your neighbor? What if it's your family? Let me, let me put it, make it real personal. All of you got families, right? Every one of you on this call, you're at work and your house catches on fire and your local department with their low staffing, like we were talking about earlier, Ben, comes to your house with either no thermal imaging camera or don't use it. And they search blindly in your house for eight to 16 minutes trying to find Harper. What does firefighter rescue survey tell us about how long they're in there versus their survival rates? I'm not saying you're going to see the victim. We know that you probably won't see the victim very well with the camera, but you will see doors, layout, fire, where things are. Start at the greatest thermal threat and work back. Who in their right mind wouldn't want to get to the target faster? I'm waiting for a solid evidence-based argument on why you shouldn't use these things. And all I get is stories, opinions, assaults, Verbal ones, social media is a great place. You know, I just turn it off because I just delete the comments that people are mean. They don't, they won't face you in person. They'll just say nasty things about you. But think about your kid, man. Think about your family. What would you want done for them? Right. And that's all I'm asking. I'm not, I'm not here to replace anyone. All I'm trying to do is get firefighters to see the problem differently and realize that we can be better. Yes. We should be taking things like nozzle forward and search classes and things like Sean Duffy and my friend Basil Ibrahim and all these amazing instructors that are teaching great classes. You better be taking and listen to those those people and like you guys. But why not use the technology to help you get there? Because I'm pretty sure every single one of you programs in your route and hits get route when you go on vacation and you look at the direction. But yet when you go in a zero visibility building, you think you're just going to find your way. And that's good enough for Mrs. Smith your wife and your kid? I don't think so. So sorry for the long-winded response. Yeah, that's great. That's what it's all about, Chief. Um, we are we are getting a little later in the show. Are there besides you know reading like we talked about reading the instructions? Um, what are some what are some drills and some skills that you know people that got that twenty-minute intro to thermal imaging cameras? Hey, here it is. If you're lucky, you get the, here, look, I'll put my hand on the wall. Take my hand off. You see? Yeah. See where my hand was? Yeah. You, know, yeah. you get that. Like, that's 
that's our in-service on, on, you know, the thermal imaging cameras. Do it with this one instead. Put your hand on this and wait 30 seconds and then take your hand away and see how many pages you can turn until you get to the back. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah, cool. That's, that's what I call the mattress drill. Because you realize how long somebody's body heat will last on a mattress or in a car seat or in a passenger seat. And you can still see where they were. We call it hide and seek and cheat. But, but yeah, I think you bring up a good point. We need to think, give not just the problem, but solutions, right? So the first thing is, is learn your camera, right? Get, get solid base training on your camera. Every camera is different. I don't care what anybody tells you. The basics of the camera are the same, but unfortunately let the manufacturer choose way too many options and when it engages color and why. You need to understand what we call the five key attributes of the camera. You need to know the field of view, the temperature modes versus the application modes, you know, resolution and color palettes. And then you need to understand emissivity and distance to spot ratio, how those affect each other. When you understand that, that's like when you look at a map and at the bottom is a legend or scale, your key, that helps you interpret the data before you. Okay. You need to understand those first. And then the next thing you need to understand is that little number in the bottom right hand corner that's been eliminated in newer cameras. It's called a spot temperature. And it's been removed from NFB 1801 2021 standard for a reason. Firefighters would, like he was saying earlier, look at it and zone in on that number and think that's the temperature of the overall environment. Huge mistake. Firefighters have died doing that. Rekindles have been caused. All kinds of incidents have been caused by it. Here's how you convince them. All of you like to cook in the fire station, I'm sure. Get your local electrician or go to the toolbox on the fire truck and pull out about a three inch piece of electrical tape, stick it on the side of a shiny pot, fill the shiny pot full of water, boil the water until the water is actively boiling and have the rookie hold the camera, stand back five feet, and read the spot temperature as he points at the shiny pot. It will be similar to the temperature of the room. Now, you know that pot is hot, but the camera's telling you it's not. First lesson, emissivity, fancy word. All homeowners understand it, because if you bought windows, you felt this painful, pun intended word. It's called low E glass. Low E glass, it says low E because most people can't say emissivity. Emissivity is the ability of an object to emit, absorb, or reflect heat numerically between zero and one. That's a textbook definition. Firefighter's not going to remember that. Here it is. If it's shiny, it'll burn your hiney. Don't trust it. If it's rough, the thermal imaging camera will pick it up really well. And what they'll learn really quickly is a shiny surface will reflect the energy back and give them a false reading, telling them, hey, maybe I shouldn't trust that number, which is a great idea. Don't trust that number. And then they move that little reticle, that little spot temperature over to the electrical tape. What do you think happens to the temperature? skyrockets because the electrical tape is the same emissivity of what the camera's calibrated at which is 0.95 to 0.97 which is the same as human skin carbonaceous objects soot rough rough surfaces turnout gear carpet you name it wood it's all very similar very most common objects on this earth are within that range that's why the camera's calibrated that but you can't adjust that number in a fire you can't go down a hallway and go you know that refrigerator is 0.1 emissivity i'm 20 feet away I can adjust for the ambient temperature, the reflected apparent temperature, and I'll get the exact measurement plus or minus half a degree Fahrenheit. You are crazy. Ain't no firefighter going to do what a thermographer does. We're going to point, shoot, and shoot water. So now we understand that that spot temperature is not something we should trust. We read the whole environment, and we learn what our camera is telling us. Does your camera go from high to low sensitivity, and when does it do that? Some cameras have mixed gain mode, some have high and low sensitivity, some have high, medium, low, some have high, low, and extended low. You need to learn your camera. And here's why. 
the camera does exactly, Ben, Trevor, and Michael, what your eye does. If we all watch a movie with our family and turn the lights off, our pupils dilate. And then when we step outside in that beautiful sunshine, our pupils constrict. Dilated is considered high sensitivity to a thermal imaging camera, basically. You're in low heat. It's, it's got high sensitivity to detail. When you turn it on, there will be nothing in the upper left-hand corner of the screen. When that camera sees a certain percentage of heat, depending on how it's programmed, the camera will freeze, a triangle will show up, and then it switches to low sensitivity, which means low sensitivity to detail. Thermographers call it low gain. In other words, it's focusing in on the heat, but what do you think it's not seeing very well if it's focusing in on that superheated area? Everything down here, like where the victim is, not going to see very well. So every tick class I ever took before I became an instructor taught me to scan high, middle, low, but yet told me to look for life, fire, and layout. Number one is life on the ceiling. If you come across your ceiling when I open the door, I ain't going in your house fire. You got bigger problems. You need Jesus and a priest. There's other things going on. Okay. So that's the first problem. We need to reverse the scan. Second of all, if I stick it up high or stand up, which most of us do, if we're going to be honest, we don't like crawling. We're in the heat and the camera is going to immediately shutter and switch to low sensitivity. And you're going to lose detail. You're going to see the heat and follow the heat right to the fire and run over grandma which I have video of firefighters doing running over a victim, missing a victim, victim four feet away because they got tunnel vision on the camera. We teach look with your eyes and your lights first, then raise the camera. Cause as soon as I put the camera in front of my face, my peripheral vision goes whoop, down to this chief Mitchell, my friend and mentor of mine. He says, Andy, it's like looking through a toilet paper too. You got to look wall to wall. So we fix the scan. We scan low, middle, and high, whether I'm outside or inside. And the reason is life is found four foot and down unless they're in a bunk bed, right? I get life and layout. I'm pretty sure heat's going to be up high. But if you're down low, and we teach something called the gangster grip, pretty simple. If you have a pistol grip camera, the camera vertically is very narrow. Horizontally, it's very wide, just like your TV. If I turn the camera sideways, like it came out of the box, as they say in the, in the movie, you gain anywhere from 12 to 14 degrees, depending on the camera. If you're on one knee in the floor and flip sideways, make an entry, you can see the floor and the ceiling in one shot. Kill shot, right? So a nine foot ceiling to floor, I can go left wall, center, right wall, and come back if necessary. Basically two scans, not a six-sided scan, and see everything I need to see in a standard residential structure. Instead of this Z scan, which is very efficient if you got 20 to 30 seconds. I work with a group of firefighters. If I did the 20 to 30 second scan that if you did it the right way, the way camera recorded, they'd be at the back of the house putting the fire out. And they say, hey, when you're done playing your video game, uh, we put the fire out. Because they were smart enough to know where it was. They just didn't know how much heat was coming over their head. My job was to see the heat and kill the heat. And I wasn't doing that for them because I was playing Xbox on my camera, right? So we fix, we, we fix the spot temperature issue. We learn our camera and we fix how we scan. If you want to look it up, International Firefighter Magazine published a three-part series article for us, breaking down the scan, part one, two, and three. It's 3,500 words because I get too wordy and they put it in three parts. You can read the whole thing and it starts basic and goes all the way to that part, okay? So we fix the scan. Now, when we're looking at the scan, how do you know if something's hot? Names, Ben, 
Michael, Trevor, what cameras do you, does your department use? Name name them for me, any of them. Well, we, we've had everything from the, the Bullards to the Scots, um, you know, a, a, a mix. And remind me, Andy, when you get done your point to ask you another question, but go ahead. Okay, so let's just start with a Bullard camera. If you've got a newer Bullard camera, like an NXT or QXT, it's an awesome camera. But that camera will see 0 to 499 degrees in grayscale. You won't see color till 500 degrees. You hear me? However, it's very sensitive. It'll switch over when 230 degrees of the pixels at two at three percent or two two thirty. It'll switch in three tenths. Excuse me, three tenths of a second, fast, which is awesome. When it does, the triangle engages, but you won't see color till 500 degrees. How many of you like reading NFPA documents? Trevor, you said you're an NFPA guy, right? Next to ICS 400, what'll put you to be, put you to bed faster is reading an NFPA document, right? Yes, sir. All right. NFPA 1971 says your gear shall not melt, ignite, drip, or separate up to 500 degrees for five minutes. Huh. And Bullard had it at 500. Why did they do that? Because that's the temperature point where you're in trouble, right? That, that was their basis for that. So 500 and above, we're in bad, bad way when it talk about our turnout gear. But then what about other things on our turnout gear that could be in trouble? You got this nice little $12 piece of plastic known as a face piece that softens at 290 degrees. Average failure was 356. Might want to consider heat, especially if I'm standing up. So the camera and telling you the apparent temperatures of the room is important. So think about if I look down that hallway with your Bullard QXT, if you have that one, and I see this gray white moving stuff coming down out of a hallway, down to the left, out of a door, and it's coming towards me because I've got the door open. I've created the flow path. It's moving hot to cold. What can I do with that convection current I just saw? I can diagnose where the fire is and start flowing water and cooling as I go all the way to the fire. None of this, I don't know if y'all have ever done this, but I've stretched the line to the wrong place before. I've had trouble finding the fire. I'm, I'm not Catholic, but let's do confessional here. You know, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes, okay? I'm, I'm the only one in the room making mistakes, so I feel really good right now. But, you know, we find the fire faster. Right. I got a friend who's in a department that shall not be named because I don't want to embarrass him. But he he picked up on this and his department hasn't. He said, I don't know what our problem is, but we're always second due. He said, I'm the driver. He said, I'll go to the first due engine company, take their tick, bring it up and look down the hallway and say, hey, cat, the fire's to the left. They went right. He said, they hate my guts because I'm going right to the fire every time. And they got a low grade old resolution camera. and They still able to find it. So I'm using the fire or using the camera to diagnose where it is. Okay. So fixing the reading the manufacturer's instruction. Don't pay attention to the spot temperature. Learn when your camera switches between high and low sensitivity. Learn when it engages color. And the absence of color is not the absence of heat. If you see gray, white moving stuff, that's hot. Any of y'all got the air fryers in your house? Because we love ours. You know, I can cook a London broil in 25 minutes and it's awesome. You know what else it taught me? What's that coming down the hallway moving when it hits you? That's your air fryer. That's if you study all of these tests that they do to our gear, you're tested in a convection oven. They blow superheated air over your turnout gear and your equipment until it fails from a class one to a class four thermal environment from 212, 320 to 500 to greater than 500. And they test it and tell you when it fails. But nobody's reading that. Oh, I can push down that hallway and I can do it wearing my Under Armour shirt underneath it that melts at 140. No, you can't. I've seen the toughest firefighters quit and run out because of that. And any of you who are waiting to feel pain, 
I got some news for you. At 131 degrees direct contact, you get a second degree burn, just like a human victim laying there unprotected. If I'm trying to tough out Michael and say he's the training chief, I'm going to sit here longer than him because I'm stupid. At 140 degrees, my pain receptors are turned off. So when I say, oh, I can sit here longer, endorphins have kicked in, it's fight or flight response. I'm actually damaging my body and I don't know it. And at 162 degrees, my skin is destroyed. And we're waiting. How many of you want to wait when you find out you've got cancer? You want to wait till it's stage four to treat it? No, you want to treat it early. How many of you see that fire down the hallway? How many of you want to wait till you're in the fire room to open the nozzle? Alan Brunacini said it best. We've raised an entire generation of firefighters who want to kill tigers with pocket knives. I'm going to be right on top of it and open the nozzle because that's what I did in training. Squirt, squirt, don't put my fire out, right? How many times you heard that? We created that problem. But I don't care if you're smoothbore Baptist, or combination nozzle Catholic, or pencil and Pentecostal. We're going to come together in one denomination. We're going to open the nozzle, and we can spray down that hallway 20 to 40 feet and hit that wall and cool it off long before you get there. Because some intelligently aggressive captain or company officer or senior firefighter said, it's hot down that hallway. Don't pencil it. Erase it. Because 212 degrees of steam would be a blessing compared to what the firefighters and that victim is feeling on that floor. They can survive that. They can't survive the alternative. So to summarize, because I know I'm getting long-winded, see the heat. Kill the heat, not the victim. Learn your camera. Learn its attributes. Learn its limitations. If you don't know what they are, I will email you any manufacturer's instructions reduced to two slides, videos, anything you want. But you got to email me for it. So I got a Boulder QXT. Got any information on it? I got a PDF document. Go through it. Got a FLIR K65? Got a document. Got a Seek Attack Pro? Got a document. Why? Because I'm the weirdo who reads the instructions. So just ask. We'll send it to you because we're not going to hoard it. You're like, well, aren't you worried about somebody stealing your stuff? They steal it every day. It ain't mine. <laughs> you know, I created PowerPoints, put all these puzzle pieces together. They want to go steal it and say it's theirs. Yeah, trademark it, copyright, but I'm not going to chase you down. If you got a passion for it and you're doing the right thing, I'm actually going to help you. If you're just trying to make money and make yourself look good, you're on your own. But I will do anything for you. But you got to let us know. So I know I went a little long. Sorry about that, Ben. But yeah, there you Andy, go. That's that's more than okay. And I, I apologize. I, I got one quick question, which you may have covered. Um, you probably see a little bit of a flashing light behind me. I had to unask where I was to come into shelter because we got a little bit of weather coming through currently. Um, but it, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, you know, all this information is out there so that we can help each other out and we can share it. And I, I've had the exact same thought. And that's the first time I ever heard that is uh, actually from it was from Bobby Holt and him and I were having a conversation one day and he goes, you know, if if uh, you know if you have information and you know, you share it it's not yours to keep and he and he said yeah this this is about sharing it and again you know people do things for nefarious purposes but that's another story but you know i came up in the um in the same fire service you did where i wasn't supposed to open the nozzle until and this is what i was told when the bees start stinging your ears that's when you I'm like huh that like, you'll know so when it got hot enough that it felt like bee stings on your ears and your neck, then you open the nozzle. Some of the dumbest stuff we ever did, but you know, we've evolved since that point. And you know, and I and I appreciate that because we you know, we can share that with each other. That um, you know, we've done dumb stuff along the way, not because 
we were necessarily dumb, but that's what we were taught. That's what was ingrained in us. And that's what was passed along. So I think it's incumbent upon us that as we learn different things to say, hey, you know what? I know we've done it that way for a long time, but here's here's a better way that's going to keep you safer and better. And I tell my folks the same thing. And my Maryland boys, you'll appreciate this. You know, I, I like my steak medium, medium rare. That, that's my personal preference. 180 degrees, a, a steak is well done in the center. Not on the outside, in the center. Um, you know, in down here in, uh, you know, way, way, way South Florida, they boil a lot of seafood. In Maryland, we steam it. So, you know, we use steam to cook crabs and shrimp and lobster, not people. So, you know, that survivability profile that Andy's talking about is, you know, we have a tool at our disposal. Why wouldn't we want to have the most possible intel to make a good, intelligent decision? We can't save the baby by committee. I'm not talking about that. I'm not saying let's wait until we get all the details before we act. As company level officers, as firefighters, as chiefs, we have to make very quick decisions based on very scant information. And we're committing our personnel inside that structure to potentially save a life. And we we need to make sure we have all the information possible. And you know, just like Andy's saying, why wouldn't you want to have the most information in the quickest possible format? Um, and that thermal imager is a catalyst to give us that information. Is it going to be perfect? No. But, you know, to leave it behind. And here, here's my question, because I'll start rambling. And again, I'll get too lazy to stop. But <laughs> several years ago, um, I got I was out at FDIC Teach and I got invited to go to a manufacturer's booth to check out a new technology for thermal imaging. Thought it was great. Thought it was wonderful. But. You have to understand that I have the attention span of a gnat, and it was a it was a mask-mounted thermal imaging camera, and there was so much data. And my feedback was this, and this might be just my own limitation, but it was awesome. It was like watching a video game. It was great, but my attention was so distracted between watching the thermal imaging camera in the upper right-hand corner of my mask, my um, my air consumption rate in the lower right-hand corner of my mask. And then, you know, uh, today's weather in the lower left-hand corner of my mask and then news updates in the upper left-hand corner, I was too distracted. And I thought to myself, I don't exactly. And that's what made me think of it, Andy, when you talked about the, you know, the almighty cell phone. Um, I'm not a guy who has an app for that. I mean, if I could rule the world with my thumbs, I would. But to me, the feedback I gave the manufacturer, which was great, um, well, not not my feedback was great, but the, the fact that they let us give that input was I thought that there was a data overload and I could no longer concentrate on the task at hand because I was watching TV too many times. So how what what are your recommendations for using the technology for its greater good, but not becoming so ingrained in it that you miss um, you know, a wraparound fire, for example? Well, I think that's a great comment. Now, first, I want to address something you mentioned. You said bee stings. That's called alarm time. If you read your instruction manual, it'll tell you that when you feel alarm time, that's your body trying to warn you that you're receiving a second degree burn or you're about to. So look that up if you'd like. Uh, second of all, when you talked about too much information, I couldn't agree more. Uh, look up Rick George's work. Uh, look up stress inoculation training. Uh, the guys, friends of mine that teach at Performance Under Pressure Cadre and Interstate Rescue they do a lot of things where they talk about, you know, condition green all the way to condition black and what happens to your body as a firefighter when you get over a certain heart rate. And I think 
to your point, Trevor, the biggest problem we have in the fire service is we have some really passionate, good manufacturers with good intent and good engineers, but they don't have a end user champion in the fire service to connect to. The person I model myself after, which I do a poor job, is Dennis Laguerre. Dennis Laguerre has changed hose for the better, but Dennis has given up a part of himself to do so. If you think Dennis is going to be a millionaire for what he's doing, you're wrong. But Dennis is going to make the fire service better. Like Aaron Fields has made hose deployment better, right? They had to give up a part of themselves to do so, but they had to also find someone who would listen. And Dennis found some hose manufacturers who listen. And now we have better hose. You know, you got less whip. You got the hose moves better. You got less friction loss. It's amazing. You know, and then you got people like Aaron Fields that teach us how to fight fire and not fight hose. I asked him when I took the first class, I said, where have you been all my life? Right. You know, you know, these people are amazing. We need more of those. What I heard in Darley's uh, Smart Firefighting Podcast, I love this phrase, end user champions. What is yours? Right. Are you passionate about PPE, RIT, whatever it is? There is somebody out there right now who has the answer to one of our problems. And they're fed up and they're frustrated because their fire service group or whoever's not listening to them. That doesn't mean it's the end. How do you think I ended up teaching tick stuff all over the place? Because I can't teach it in my home state very much. Because they don't believe in it. And maybe they will one day. I haven't given up on them. But I just changed my area code and went to places that listen. And what I've learned is manufacturers and technology is great. But when you overwhelm the end user with too much, I mean, how many of you function really well when your Viber Alert or low air alarm goes off? It's too much irritation. Brunicini said we should put an electric shock to a lower nether region, and that would make everyone leave. The viral alert, we just go, oh, I got five more minutes. I can hang out, right? You know, we, we got too much going on. We got the heads-up display. You got the viral alert going off, and now we're going to add an in-mass display. Here's another thing, Trevor. How many firefighters do you know can't see up close? And now you're going to put something right here, and I'm going to go right-eye dominant. It's going to blind me. I've learned more about eyesight in the last 10 years because of thermal imaging. I've learned this majority of firefighters are colorblind. If they can't see green, every symbol on a thermal imaging camera is outlined in green. If they can't see yellow. The first color that engages is yellow. Manufacturers are not recognizing that you need to be teaching your firefighters. They're colorblind. Go out, find a heat source, show them the colors on that camera, what they mean and, and make their own color chart. We do that all the time. Their, their fire department is making fun of them. We're helping them. But when you say too much, they need to listen and understand why. And the best story I have for you to summarize is a good friend of mine who works for a big manufacturer. He had an engineer who said, no, they need these buttons. They need five application modes. They need the zoom feature. They need the trigger. And he's like, no, you're not a firefighter. You don't understand. No, they need it. He said, meet me tomorrow at this address. Engineer shows up. He dresses in full turnout gear. He takes him into a gas fed training prop. And he says, all right, when I go in, I want you to toggle through the button modes and tell me what you think. He's like, okay. Opens the door, walks him in. He says, Andy, from the front door to the back was about 20 feet. He said, the engineer screamed the whole time from front to back. And when he took him outside, he said, how many buttons did you push? He said, none. I didn't have time. He said, go back to your lab. You need to talk to your customer. If you're all married, you would never go buy a really big gift for your wife without trying to figure out what she wants first. What kind of car does she want? What kind of jewelry does she like? Unless you're like me and you're going to take it back. So the manufacturers need to do something that we do in marriage. They need to get to know the people they're trying to serve. 
and realize that they function in an environment that is completely different than an air-conditioned office, like we're picking on Michael and I about being chiefs, right? You know, we get to sit in the office a little too much. We function in an environment that's unforgiving, demanding, dynamic, wet, nasty, noisy, and they haven't accounted for all that. And when our heart rate changes and our body starts doing weird things, they haven't thought about the button size. I just helped design a camera with a particular manufacturer. And the one thing I was picky about was the grip and how the gloved hand fell on that button. So it was easy to move. And it was one button to turn it on and one button for a flashlight. No other buttons. Because you ain't got time to push buttons when you're in a life-changing, threatening environment. So my answer is this, Trevor. We need to get the engineers and the customers together and say, what do you need? Because if you don't believe me, you, you said you're in the PPE on the NFPA committees and read the things about your SCBA. Luxfer, who makes every cylinder on the market, you think they should have talked to Globe, Firedex, and Lion before they made this statement in their instruction manual? Your, your aluminum cylinder under a composite shall not reach a temperature of 160 degrees Fahrenheit. If it does, it shall be sent back to a, a qualified calibration technician for testing. This shall never happen, even though firefighters are exposed to extreme heat, much hotter than this, because a firefighter would feel pain long before this and open the nozzle and cool the environment. Really? Have you wore turnout gear lately, Mr. Luxor, Lux for SCBA manufacturer? Because the turnout gear I got issued when I got hired, I didn't feel nothing. And I was wearing two hoods because my buddy was wearing two hoods. Right? So we need to get the people who designed the product and the people who use the product in the same room and on the same team, and they need to mutually benefit from it in a way that helps them both. And then we all win. But I'm telling you, I've only found out of all the manufacturers I've been dealing with, there's only a couple that's been listening to their customer. They're so smart. They think you don't matter. And that's dangerous because they'll put themselves out of business. And Andy, I, I agree with you because I've always thought for the longest time the wisdom's in the trenches. And, of course, people who have a, a higher pedigree, maybe whether it's a, a degree, a certain amount of initials behind their name, and some of them are very, you know, well-to-do and, and certainly have earned their bones. But, you know, my thing is talk to the people who are the end users. And that's what I've enjoyed um, as being part of that technical committee is that we can sit in a room with, research and development people, engineers, salespeople, everything else, and hash things out because being that end user in the fire service, and this is where um, I, I just have to say this, I'm, I'm looking forward to um, you know teaching a class. Mike and I are teaching a, a, a section of a class coming up in October out in Wichita together, um, is that we can bring this information forward, but you know, we can't just go on our own experience because you know, just like the old Ben Franklin quote, you know, experience teaches a dear school, but a fool will learn or no other. So we have to be able to understand that, you know, our experience is, you know, not only an asset, but also a detriment. Because if I've been taught that two plus two equals five my entire career, and I believe that, I pass that along to others. Um, so, you know, you and I have chewed a lot of the same dirt, Andy, uh, you know, with the SCBA stuff that I do. Yeah, I try to teach about how technology is an asset. It's also limitation. And you have to be able to control that that data information, especially like you said, eyesight. When I when I have my SCBA mask on and look, I'm a you know, I'm a white hat now. Do I do I employ that tool of my trade as often as that person on my engine company? No. So I don't want to be disingenuous and go, 
oh, well, back in the day, you know, uh, back when large reptiles roamed the earth, this is what we did. And, you know, you know, so shall be done. We have to evolve with the technology and understand some of the changes in it and also understand how psychologically that can impact the user. And that's what I was um, kind of getting at before when we talked about the, the helmet mounted um, thermal imaging. And I know we got a lot of that from the military where you look at uh, helicopter pilots who can you know, flip down and flip back up. But there's so much that we're responsible for. And I want to make sure that whatever tool or technology we use becomes an asset and an adjunct to our ability, not a distraction and a detriment. And I think sometimes because if we have a, I don't want to say a negative experience, but if we don't have good, solid empirical data and a well-rounded instruction from the beginning to say, hey, guys, look, let's be very visceral and honest about what this is for, mm -hmm. for you. We have some people who are going to either overutilize it or are going to completely reject it, and there's no middle ground. So, um, you know, and, and, and Mike, I know you're, you know, you're going to deal with the slings and arrows, not that you haven't already, of, you know, the people who say, you, you can't teach me what I already know. Uh, you know, that, that that's another discussion for another webcast. But, uh, you know, Andy, I do appreciate your perspective on that because, you know, instead of just saying thermal imaging is the, you know, the, the end all and be all, you're very honest about that. And I think, you know, as instructors, all of us bringing that perspective to people to say, I'm going to pass along the information that I know and what I don't know. Um, but please go out and research this for yourself but unfortunately a lot of our folks that they want that immediate gratification of the the youtube society you know mm -hmm. 15 seconds of instruction and I'm, I'm a subject matter expert um you know that that's where we need to really get into the reps and sets and put the sweat equity into you know what we're doing here i agree with you wholeheartedly but if you want to be a subject matter expert you, you got to make the subject matter period and, and I don't think anybody needs to call themselves an expert. Let the other world do that to you, but study it, study it and study it and then study it some more and don't quit. You know, and that's that's the problem that I think I see is that a lot of us are very passionate and realize that I can never be good enough. And then some of us think because I've done it dozens of times, that's enough. And like you said too, Trevor, if we wear a white hat and we get focused on this side of the job and we don't get this part as, as good as we should, we may be like milk and eggs they're perishable skills they can go bad but we we're all complacent in some area or another and we can all do better we can all learn more and we don't need to beat anybody up for it we need to teach and share whatever the gift we have and the experience we have but all of us as firefighters need to be a little bit more humble a lot more open and realize as i said before the greatest threat in the fire service is a closed nozzle and a closed mind you know let's let's open both of them up and be willing to receive information and look it up and learn from it and listen to the, the rookie, the probie, as you said, Ben, who's got 12 years as a probie, uh, to, to the senior guy on the department who may not have the fire behavior knowledge, but he's got a PhD in life. Listen to him. You know, the guy up the street, I used to go and visit for marriage advice because he was married 64 years. Who do you think who knew marriage better than him? Right. So let's learn from each other and not beat each other up. Put the keyboard down and quit commenting and start researching, reading and say, thanks for the information. I'm going to go learn more. You know, quit hiding behind that and start holding each other up and saying, I'm here to help. I'm here to learn.
and thank you for the opportunity to, to learn and listen and laugh with y'all. I really enjoyed it. I will, I will send you all a copay for the therapy session I just received because it encouraged me. I didn't have to go to counseling today, so that's good. Thank you. You helped me a lot. Yeah, well, thank you, Chief. It was a great show. I um, I always appreciate the shows where I don't have I don't I don't have to or get to talk very much because there's there's so much other knowledge that's being shared across uh, from from our guests and from Trevor and Mike and Bobby uh, when he's able to join us. So I always appreciate these shows, and it's it's something that it's like at the end of it, it's like all right, yeah, this one we're I already got like four or five links up on thermaging and all this kind of stuff that I need to you know, start doing some research on what, what we're using in Ocean City. So, uh, I'll send you what I have. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. yeah I'll shoot you an email with what we have. Please. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And it's one of those things, um, I'm going to do, we're going to go around the horn with our, our last, uh, our final thoughts. Okay. Uh, I'm going to, usually I go last, but I'm going to go first tonight. Um, in regards to all this kind of stuff that we're talking about, you know, we talked about, you know, opening your mind, being more receptive to, to the stuff being, it's okay to mess up. Uh, it's okay to make a mistake, but it's not okay to continue to do it. It's not okay to not learn from it. Uh, the one thing I want to add to that is bring a buddy with you. You know, if, if you're, you know, the crew that you're working with, if there's one guy that you like really gel with, uh, and I got, I got a new guy at, um, that I get to work with on, on my shift that for whatever reason, he's shit. He's probably, he's, he's probably close to 20 years younger than I am. Um, and, and we get along really well. We got, we have a great working relationship. We go on calls together and like, he knows what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm figuring out or I'm knowing what he's thinking. And, uh, you know, you have that relationship with the people that you work with, bring them with you. So when you, when I go and start learning, and reading more about the thermal imaging, I'm going to have him sit right next to me. Hey, man, did you see this? Look at this. Hey, check this shit out. This is pretty cool. That thing that thing on that fire engine will do this. You know, and you, know, you go, you know, I sent Mike a, a picture a couple of weeks ago. And, and Chief, I promise I, we're slacking. We'll get back to it. We'll get back to forcing that door at Station 3. Don't take it away from us just yet. Um, but I sent Mike some pictures. I said, hey, man, let's go force this door. Oh, Okay. I mean, we were sitting there watching, watching the third movie of the day. Might as well go do something productive, you know. The third movie might be a little ridiculous, but you know, let's get our asses out of the couch and go do something. Make it a challenge, Ben. Tell him, say, I bet you can't force this door between this next commercial break. Yeah, he he's twenty years younger than I am. He will. <laughs> <laughs> challenge accepted. <laughs> um, but it's 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 you know that camaraderie. Like we love that in the fire service. I love going to work because of the people I get to work with and the job that I get to do now, like build on that, take advantage of that and share that, you know, with the people that you get to work with. So chief, thank you again. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, like I said, I'll be shooting you an email uh, with our, our, um, I know it's a FLIR um, that we have. So I'll, I'll shoot that to you and get some information and chief out chief Wood, I'll send that to you. Um, if you want to, use that or take a look at it as well. Absolutely. I got a few of these little things laying around. They're two terabytes a piece mm -hmm. of just per brand. Oh, wow. So just whatever you need, just let us know. Just, I prefer like Google drive, Dropbox, yep. stuff like that. It's easier. Okay. Emails are a little difficult to send stuff that way, but we can take care of you. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mike, you want to give us your final thoughts? 
I, I, I came in a little late, but I'll tell you, I am, uh, I love everything I heard there, Chief, and uh, I'm excited to hear more. Uh, I, I'd love to, to get you on the phone and, and have some, some good conversation about uh, everything that, that you're doing there. Uh, it, it's extremely important. And, you know, I, I, I've worked for years in an old school place where it's the way we've always done it and this is the way. Uh, however, I'm a believer of adapt or die. Uh, everything is always evolving. The emergencies are always evolving that we're going to. The jurisdictions are always evolving. You'd be a fool not to evolve to meet it. Uh, however, you know, it, technology, we're oversaturated with it. And we, you know, we, we talked about that tonight. And you have to find the good and the bad in it. It's a lot like fire department tradition. Um, in a lot of places now, we try to suppress that. We, we use that. We hear the term tradition. We think that that means history, and that's not a good thing. There must have been a lot of bad things that happened there. Um, Technology is a lot like that. You have, to, you have to get educated on it. You have to understand what is important, uh, what, is, um, you know, what would work with your jurisdiction, what would work with your crews. Uh, is this something that's relevant for you? And I think that uh, you know, uh, what you're saying speaks volumes uh, and, and is a testament to that. And uh, departments need to get on board with these things. Um, and uh, we, we spend a lot of time with all, you know, getting all of our new equipment, worrying about our rigs, worrying about our turnout gear. Uh, and the tool that we uh, obviously ignore the most is the one that's between our ears. Uh, however, there are other things out there with all these, with all these advancements uh, that tool between our ears is allowed to gain a lot of confidence if we recognize the proper way to use some of this equipment, not become reliant on it, but understand the procedure behind it and what it's capable of doing. Uh, and then when it does fail, as they always will, uh, we fall to the level of our training, which is um, those, you know, the, the, those bullet points to always hit home. But I loved everything I heard and, and, Man, you have me reeled in. I want to hear more. Thank you, brother. I'm just rambling. <laughs> <laughs> Salesman. Trevor. Hey, uh, I want to thank all of you for coming on tonight. And, um, you know, Andy, especially, you know, you sharing your, your knowledge and wisdom with everybody and passing along that information. Um, Occasionally, and, and you know, Ben and Mike know this. Uh, I'll put out a fire officer's leadership thought of the day, and it's usually when I'm just kind of in a. I want. I want to say I'm in one of those reflective moods, but sometimes I'm in some sort of a mood where I feel I need to put something out there, and I'm. I'm just like you on from the social media aspect. I could care less about um, anything that I wouldn't say to you as a, as another you know fellow human, fellow firefighter, or anything else. But it's just to try to share a thought. And one of the things you said earlier, um, I'll paraphrase a little bit, that if you aspire to be a subject matter expert, make the subject matter. That, that was a very, very powerful statement. Um, and I think that's what we need to look at before we you know, stick our flag in the sand or anything else. We all have opinions. We all have experience, good, bad, or indifferent. And uh, like some of our founding fathers said, that you know, uh, influence or experience, whether good, you know, positive or negative, is very powerful. Um, so you know, we have to realize, you know, the things that we pass down and teach do have an impact on the people that we work with. Um, and that could be around for 
10, 20, 30 years in our departments. I mean, uh, a policy, uh, and Mike, I'll apologize to you in, in, uh, in advance. There might be a training policy that I wrote 15 years ago that I might feel differently about now. If you find that, just call me. We'll, we'll, we'll make peace over a couple cocktails. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we do have to evolve as, as people um, and, and, and in our industry as well. And, you know, I, I go back and look at a lot of these things. Um, you know, I, I do appreciate the, the time and effort that's been spent tonight. There's some people who watch this live, some people who will use this um, in some you know, urban and suburban fire departments and even rural departments um, that will use this for shift training and on-duty training. And uh, it, it's a great thing. So you know, when we get, have the opportunity to get together and you know, share those experiences and pull the wisdom from the trenches, uh, I, I just think it's such a valuable thing for all of us. And uh, you know, Andy, I just want to thank you for lending your time and talents to us tonight. And um, you're being very visceral about the the good, the bad, and the ugly of thermal imaging. And as the industry and as the technology evolves, we'll have people back on. So, um, and you know, Ben, Mike, thank you very much again, Mike. Uh, congratulations! I'm going to ride you like a rented mule about your new promotion. So I'm looking forward to that uh, enjoyment for just for myself, not so much for you. Um, and and with that, Ben, I'm going uh, to send it back to you to say good night. But uh, anyway. For, for all of you, you know, certainly, you know, God bless you. Keep your families safe and, uh, you know, you and your crews and your families. But thank you all for being here. God bless. All right. Thanks, Chief. Um, so, yeah, wrapping it up uh, before I do that, Chief Starnes, is there anything that you'd like to add? Well, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, anyone that's seeking information from us, please check out our free resources. Our website has a free blog on it. Every article was written because someone asked a question more than about eight or 10 times. So we figured it must be important. So we wrote articles based on your questions. Uh, we have a newsletter we send out every six weeks or so. You can sign up there. We have a private Facebook group where we only talk about thermal imaging and first responders called Tactical Thermal Imaging. You have to answer two questions to join to prove me you're not a robot or somebody trying to sell something. But we have 7,000 members in that group. Uh, over a thousand topics, free files in there for you. Uh, we have a YouTube channel with 700 videos on it, 400 of my own categorized free webinars, subjects like you were talking about, Ben, there's a Bullard channel, there's a FLIR channel, there's a SEEK channel. There, there, anything we have, we've been trying to get it off our hard drive and put it out there in some digestible format. Uh, and if that's not enough, we have more stuff that we can get to in person through training and whatnot. But our goal is not to limit people because they have a funding issue or their department's not going to bring them in. Call us. We'll help you. I've sat here on the phone just like this doing the Zoom thing with one-on-one -on -one with firefighters helping them because their department wouldn't do it. And, you know, shame on them. But the firefighter took away from his time the family to do it. So I took my time away to help them because, like you said, we should be doing that. So yeah. if I can give you any advice if you're listening is if you have a gift, share it. If you don't, you become bitter and cynical. That's how the world creates bitter and cynical people is you try to do something and the world shuts you down. If this door closes, go look for the other open door or force that one. Okay. Because you, you don't know what is laying, waiting on you behind that door. You may be an answer to somebody's prayer. There might be a rookie waiting on you to share. And there might be somebody who is really in a dark place who needs your encouragement, more importantly. So please... For the love of God, don't withhold your gift. The world needs each of you. If I could share anything with you is that. 
Don't let this place steal your joy or your passion. Keep going. Okay. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for your time. Yep. Thank you, Chief. Thanks, Chief. So as, as we wrap up tonight, um, this will be this webcast will get posted on in podcast form uh, tomorrow morning. So and that'll be available on on any number of podcast um, delivery apps or whatever they're called. Um, so just uh, continue to follow our social media. It'll be on there. We're also going to share uh, Inside Trainings uh, website and their Facebook page and all their social media stuff. Uh, and we'll post uh, Chief Starn's email. So if you guys do have questions uh, or want to get some information from them, uh, that'll be available too. I wish I could tell you what's what's coming next for Strike the Box and Thirsty Thursday. Uh, as we've done, as we've said the last time, uh, we'll be back in two weeks. We'll do this. We'll do that. We're not sure what we're doing, but we'll be back. Uh, we'll have another great show. I was thinking today, um, you know, doing. I had a couple hour riding around uh, picking up Rachel and Harper, um, and, and having Mike talk about developing a training program. Uh, since that's what he's going to be doing uh, with his new position. So I think that would be a great idea, a great content, uh, great topics to talk about. Um, and then, um, you know, and see where that goes as we come into the fall and, um, you know, see what see where the year takes us. So thank you again for watching. We'll see you next time. Everybody be safe and have a good night.